Welcome to the Crystal Valley Casserole, a podcast where we introduce you to members of our ward. We are Chad and Kenny Smith. We are not professional podcasters, but we have some amazing people we want you to meet. So, without further ado, pull up a seat and join us as we get to know some of the ingredients that make up the Crystal Valley Casserole. Well, today we are so lucky to have Sandy and Ed Brooks on the Word Podcast with us, and we're so excited to get to know them a little bit and introduce them to you, our fellow members of the Crystal Valley Ward. So thank you guys for being here with us, and we'd love for you to tell us a little bit about you, kind of give us a brief rundown of, you know, where you're from little uh tidbit of maybe what growing up was like for you okay great thank you ed told me to start so i will okay okay um i was born uh in a family of 13 children um the thing that's unique about my family is that all of us are active still in the church it wasn't always that way. We had problems and difficulties just like everyone else did, but we were all active in the church. And I think part of that's because of my parents, they, they're really great people. They, uh, my father was, uh, a cowboy in Arizona. My mother was, um, grew up in, um, mining towns of West Virginia, you know, so they were very, they were poor and yet they were very humbled and very righteous and very spiritual. So, I'm really lucky. All of my siblings are still alive, and we meet once a month on Zoom, and we we still get to reunions together wow. and things like that. So it's really exciting. Um, I I was raised in a farm, and so um, I learned a lot of things on the farm. But one of the things that I learned the most was that um, <laughs> that we were really farm hicks. And so when we moved to a big city, when we moved to a big city, it was really interesting because. We moved from um, Moses Lake, Washington, to Seattle, Washington. My hus- my uh, dad had a job with Boeing's there, and uh, we were thirteen. There were eleven of us children at that time, and we happened to move into the, the most richest ward in the in the mm-hmm. state. So we were really, we thought we were really moving up in in life because we bought a beautiful home and things like that. But we, we were really, we we're still farm hicks. So How that was really you interesting. Did that? You know, so okay. I was 12 years old. So, yeah. And Ed and I moved into the same state, uh, but we didn't know each other until we worked in Eminent Gleaners together, you, you, which is the young adult program. And so we, we, we lived in the same area. So it was really interesting. So we worked in the Eminent Gleaners program together. I'm not familiar with that's this how we got to know what each other. It, what is it called again? It's oh. it's it's like the young adult program today, right? Yeah, it's what the young adult program was back then. It was they were just called M N and Gleaners. Yeah, so M M N Men and Gleaners. And gleaners. <laughs> Whatever that meant, I don't know. But anyway, so we worked on a couple of uh, state callings together and things like that. We had a friend who was trying to get us together, but we weren't really that interested. And then Ed went on his mission, and I went on my mission, and we wrote a couple of times. And uh, um, we still have those letters that we wrote to each other. Were you on so your mission really at the same time, or was um, that stacked? 
Yes, we were okay. about the same time. No, he got right. home before I where, did. But... Where did you both go? Yeah. Um, I was I was in the British mission. Oh, I was so in cool. uh, Kentucky, Tennessee. Nice, very cool. Okay, so you met oh. kind of as young single adults in the Seattle area, and then had your missions. And Sandy, you were a country girl living in the big city. Okay. Yes, that's right. <laughs> awesome. I love that. And where did you fit so in the anyway. family of 13? I was the second to the oldest, okay. so all of them okay. are younger except for one. Very cool. That is amazing. Yeah, so. Yeah, I can't believe we're all active and um, all the boys went on missions and my sister and I went on missions and everyone got married in the temple and things like that. But, you know, they're, they're, we've struggled a lot. It wasn't, it wasn't ideal. It was really... I mean, we each had our own weaknesses that we had to overcome and things like that, but we are all active yeah. now. That's so pretty that's cool. Really I think exciting. that's a cool, um, you know, we've talked a lot with different people on the podcast about um, challenges and trials and it's, it's cool when you can see a story that seems like it's come full circle where you feel like we've had our challenges and trials and, and right now things are in a good place right. and our family's really doing well. Yes. Yeah, what a blessing. That's right. Yes, Maybe can I yes. just ask, just going along with what Cami is saying about relating that to people. I always just feel like it's so easy when you hear somebody say like, oh, yeah, that was really hard, but now everything's great. It's like, oh, yeah, but it wasn't as hard as what I'm going through. And so I'm just curious, maybe like, let, let's say some of these hard times that you're talking about with your family, did you ever think that it was going to get to where it is now? Did, did it? Um, no, we didn't. I remember my parents, we prayed a lot about each individual in our family who was really struggling. I know I struggled a lot. I, anyway, <laughs> I had boyfriends and things like that that weren't really that great. And my dad really worried about me. And, and, uh, I had brothers and sisters who, who, um, really got very, you know, upset with, uh, with the church and things like that. But, um, they all came back. It's really interesting. You know, we had, remember my dad one time, my brother would run away from home and he was really upset. And my dad pulled us all in together. We had a family prayer and I'll never forget us praying about him. And I knew that if we, if he prayed about Ed, that he'd always mm -hmm. pray about each one of us too. So it's really great. You know, oh, yeah, we had some who had serious problems, but they all overcame them. So. And so your family really had a culture yes. of prayer and consider, considering family members of your family. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think it's right. just powerful to recognize, like, in the middle of our trials, sometimes it doesn't seem like there's a way out, right? But then, like, sometimes, and, and sometimes exactly. in this life, they might not resolve as well as yours have. But I think it's always good to hear stories of hope where, People who didn't think it was going to work out, and it did, and that gives us all a little bit of hope. That's great. Right, yes. Is there anything, really quick, anything Ed. that you credit that to? So it sounds like your family prayed. You prayed for individual members of your family. Anything else that you credit that to? Just mm -hmm. um, the fact that some of those struggles were resolved? Well, 
I think my parents were really righteous people. They were very good people, even though they were very humble. Um, my dad always obeyed all the commandments. We were having family home meetings and family nights since I was a little girl. And that's because one time he heard in conference talk that one of the general authorities suggested that we each, you know, have a night of the week where we get together as a family and pray and, and say the scriptures and have fun. And so my dad did that. So we were having family home evening long before it was called family home evening. Um, he was really, he was kind of strict with the older ones of us, but he mellowed down a little bit, you know, uh, because he, you know, he loved, he loved us a lot. We knew that he loved us. So that was what was really exciting. But there was, we had some serious problems. We had, you know, yeah. about as serious problems as anyone can have. But everyone, yeah. you know, we all worked them out. And I think, we get together now once a month and we talk about some of these problems that we've had and some of the, the concerns we yeah. have with our children and our grandchildren and some of the, the things that are going well and some of the things that aren't going well. And we really support each other in that. And I think we yeah. got that from our family, from my parents. That, yeah, you know, you need sure. to support each other as a family. All right. Well, Ed, why don't you tell us a little bit? I mean, uh, you, you know, your wife told us a little bit about where you grew up, but why don't you kind of give your, your side of the story here? Okay, well, uh, start out, oh. I was born on Mother's Day, um, and so it, once yeah, every seven <laughs> years, my birthday falls on Mother's Day. So who, who gets to celebrate your day? Um, yeah, <laughs> we, do, we do it together. But uh, yeah, I, I was born in Ridgecrest, California, which is on the edge of the Mojave Desert. And my dad was born in Canada and my mom in Ohio. And somehow they all ended, they both ended up in, uh, by the Mojave Desert in California. But um, I was four and a half. We moved up to Seattle because my dad got a job as a iron worker, putting steel in bridges and, and buildings. And... Uh, we, we lived in the Ballard area of Seattle. One story I always think about is uh, to go to kindergarten, even, we walked along. Uh, it was almost three miles, and our kids didn't believe us until we actually drove it. <laughs> yeah, it was actually uphill both ways. Um, but uh, when I was... 14, we moved 20 miles north of Seattle to uh, Linwood, Washington. And I don't know, I wrestled in high school and ran track. Uh, and my, uh, I have uh, four brothers and two sisters. Two of my bro older brother, half brothers, uh, have died. Um, but. Uh, other than my younger sister, I'm the only one active in the church. And uh, we had a loving family. Um, but, good. you know, uh, it was hard. Iron work is not an easy job. And my dad worked hard. Um, I worked one summer doing iron work with him after I graduated from high school, and that's what convinced me to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But uh, yeah, as Sandy said, we, we knew each other a little bit before uh, we went on our missions. And one thing, you know, I was, when I went on my mission, I was green. I, I hadn't done a lot of study, didn't go to seminary. But one time when uh, it was my turn to talk about the first vision as a missionary uh, teaching a family, and as I talked about, you know, the light descending and and him seeing the uh, father and the son, you know, I get a little emotional here, um, it hit me real strong. Um impacted me for the rest of my life. I knew the gospel was true. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things that really impressed me about Ed was he was raised in, in, in an inactive family. And uh, his parents are really sweet. I really love them a lot. But they were kind of a little bit bitter towards the church. And yet Ed was the only one in his family that really remained active. And when he went on his mission, you know, his family didn't support him that his war did. And yeah. yet Ed was, I knew Ed had a testimony of the gospel. And that was really what impressed me about him is that even though his family were not active at all, they still aren't active. He He's remained active and he's very strong in the church. So, One, one thing I, I've got to say is when we were dating and Sandy went back to Rexburg to finish her degree, two-year degree, um, I went over to her family for a family home evening, and they played the game States. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but you roll up a newspaper, and everybody in the circle has a state. And when somebody yelled out a state, the person in the middle with the uh, newspaper would try to hit them uh, before they could say uh, another state. And while we were doing it, her, her dad, boy, they, they'd say Kentucky, because that's the state I had, and he he tried to hit me. <laughs> he, was, fine. Oh, he was he was fun. I, <laughs> that's really sweet. I, really I love that. Well, um, so I love that story that you shared um, about that that really really specific moment you remember on your mission, testifying of the restoration of the gospel and how it impacted you for the rest of your life. And I think that's amazing. Um, as we've talked to people in our ward and of course thought about our own experiences, some people really do have, a, you know, a handful of moments like that, that really stick out as formative for their testimonies. And that's something we love asking about. So I'm glad that you shared that. Um, any others that you guys would share as far as formative experiences, formative um, testimony building experiences? I remember uh, before I was called on my mission, I remember thinking that I was going to get married and I had, you know, some boyfriends that were really good people and they had asked me to marry when I just couldn't marry them. And I remember going back to my patriarchal blessing that told me that I would have a host of friends and one in particular would be the one I was supposed to marry and not to make that choice without consulting the Lord. So I think one of the experiences I had was that uh, even though these were great guys and I think I would have been happy with them, I knew that they weren't the right one. And when Ed and I got home from our missions, 
he came to speak to me at our speak at our ward with the high councilman. And I remember walking into the the uh, ward the first time I the first Sunday I was back and and I looked at, up on the stand. I said, "Oh my goodness, that that's a, what's his name? That's what's his name?" And my heart was beating. And uh, so he spoke, and I remember his, what his talk was about and everything. But afterwards, we talked, and he told me he was engaged, you know, and things <laughs> like that, which was fine, you know, because I wasn't, you know, I just remember thinking that was okay. But then he called me up and asked me to date him, and I just remember that feeling that I had with him was that I really felt really good with him, and I remember that, and I remember telling my mom when he'd asked me to marry him, and I told him no, that I started crying, and my mom said, well, isn't he exactly the one you were looking for? And I oh. had that spiritual experience where I knew he was. So it was really interesting because I think I had a spiritual experience yeah. about him before I even fell in love with him, which to me was really, to me is really sacred because I knew that I would learn to love him and that he was the one that was for me. So yeah. that was really exciting. Yeah, it was kind of interesting I, that – Young lady and I broke up, and I was taking 20 quarter hours in college, really busy, and I, that's all I was going to think about. But my anthropology class had an assignment to go study the um, primates at the zoo. And so that's what I, our first date was, was to go to the zoo for my study class. <laughs> and uh, I didn't do too good on the uh, on yes. the lesson. Sorry, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was not. Yeah. There are a lot of twists and turns in that story that I was not expecting when you said that you you know your blessing about that you would know the person that you were going to marry. But that was a great story. So I want to make sure I understood. Yes. So he was engaged when you saw him at church right after your mission. Then he right. then they broke that off. He asked you to go to the zoo. And then later right. on, when he proposed the first time, you said no. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yes, because because I I had a friend that was a really good man, and I knew he was going to ask me to marry him, and I was just waiting for him to come and ask me to marry him. And uh, when he did, I I just could I could told him no. I felt really it broke my heart because I really liked him. He was a great guy, but I knew he wasn't the one. And in, my, mm -hmm. in the back of my mind, I knew that Ed was, and so. It was, you know, to me, it was a spiritual experience because I knew Ed was the one I was supposed to marry before I fell in love with him. And well, that was really special to me. I mean, we used to uh, talk about, well, if we got married. Yes. And then one day we were driving down Highway 5, those that know the Seattle area, and you could see the Mount Rainier um, in, in the distance. And all of a sudden she said, well, when we get married, and I just kept quiet. Because <laughs> I told him no, and then, you know, we were, we were talking, we said, well, if we get married, what would we, where would we get married? If we got married, uh -huh. how many kids would we have? Things like that, you know. And then one time we were walking, we were driving down. We'll always, we will always think that uh, Mount Rainier is very special to us because as we were driving down the highway, we could see Mount Rainier in the background. It was very beautiful. And we were talking, I said, well, when we get married... And then I realized, oh my goodness! I said, "When we get married, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's how we knew we were going to get married." It's really interesting. So, so after that, we should talk about when we get married. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and anyway. talk about um, just like early parenting, because I think you know, Kimmy and I have young kids, and you, you know, the, the the toddler years are not that far behind us, and you just know how hard it is. 
And I think it was always good. It still is always good for us to hear from people who have been through it, to hear some challenging stories, to recognize that we're human just like everybody else. And then maybe some success stories and maybe some good tips that you picked up along the way as you two parented together. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> well, sure. yeah. one thing, if I can, just before that, we, when we had been, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe what a year, uh, we moved into an apartment that was unfurnished. And I was working at Sears, um, not making a lot of money. And I told my wife, don't Sandy, we need to get some furniture. She says, well, I'll go to Goodwill and get things. And I, I had $20. <laughs> she went with her mom. And she came back over with a bed, a dresser, <laughs> mattress. I, I, I don't remember what all. And change. <laughs> and I went, wow, okay. Goodwill might not be yeah. some better place to go to. <laughs> yeah. And, and we had our first child uh, there. Made those $20 go a long way. Um, yeah. yeah, back then. I, <laughs> wouldn't be quite the same today, but oh. Yeah. Anyway, we, um, I was always the type of person I wanted to do everything very well and I wanted to be perfect in the gospel. I really loved the gospel. I loved studying the gospel. I loved being obedient to the, you know, commandments. But I remember, um, we thought that if we raised our kids righteously, that they would be righteous. And we have five children and, uh, Two of our sons are not active at all. In fact, one was really kind of rude and very um, President or Elder Coombs talk reminded me of how Richard was. And and it was really hard for us. He'd gone on a mission, and when he came home from his mission is when he went in an accident. And uh, it's just been lately when he, last few years that we've been able to get close to him again. He's still not active in the church, and we don't talk about the gospel much, but he's very respectful. He's married now and he has a, a granddaughter. She's a really cute girl. She's about nine years old now and it's really great. But, you know, it was really hard for me because I was shocked. We also had a, a, a daughter who got pregnant before she got married and that was really shocking to me. Um, and our son went inactive after he got married yeah. and he got divorced. So it was really tough. But we have three daughters who are really active in the church now. Um, and it's, you know, it's beautiful. But I think one thing that I learned is that I need to listen more to them. You know, instead of, I remember going headstrong and thinking, well, if I teach them how, what to do, that they will do it. And um, it was really, you know, hard for me. And then I would get upset with them. And I took it personally. I thought it was a personal affront to me. And so I, I think I would listen more and I would really study the gospel more and, um, you know, and ponder the gospel a little bit more. Well, the, the, the one thing that's very important if you have, well, for all your children, but especially those that stray a little bit, is is to always love them. Yes. Always show them love, yeah. uh, no matter what. Um, and yes. that's really what kind of with our one son was able to get him back to um uh, the family um, yeah, exactly yes and the thing is they don't think you love them you know because they know how you feel about the gospel they know how important it is to you 
And when yeah. they don't live the gospel, they think that you don't love them. And if you tell them, they still don't, you know, they don't believe it. So you have to just, you have to be very careful about, um, you know, just letting them know all the time that you love them. Both of our sons, we let them know that we love them all the time. And we uh, tell them about things that we're, especially like about them. And then our children are also that way. The rest of the kids are that way too. So I appreciate that you highlighted that. I think that's pretty common advice that we've heard from people that, you know, you need to continue to love your kids, but I like um, what you're saying, which is that maybe you have to be a little bit extra intentional about showing it because like you said, they might assume that your feelings have changed for them because they know how important the gospel is to you. And so you have to even maybe do a little bit more to show them that they still matter to you and that you still feel the same way about them. Yeah. And it just makes me, we were just talking to some parents this evening and we were just talking about how you hear all the time, like, Oh, you got to love your kids. You got to love your kids. You got And when you're in the middle of it, it can be really hard to know what that looks like. Like, what does it look like to love them? Like, what, what does it mean to accept them? Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to accept them doing crazy stuff in my house or whatever, you know, so it's like, could be very difficult. And I just like, I think it's good that we're re-emphasizing the principle. So like, I, I'll always love the phrase, like the devil is in the details. That's what makes it hard or the details. But as long as you have the angel in the principle, that your, your guiding principle is that you love, right. love people, then I think that's really helpful to just, always remember and go back to right i think we had great times when we were young when the kids were young at home it was really exciting because we we played games together we did a lot lot of fun things together that we still talk about the games that we played the things that we did and um i think that really helps you know all the traditions that we have are really important the christmas traditions that we have and things like that are very important I think as far as loving them, you know, there was time when I thought maybe <laughs> I didn't love them because I was so angry with them. I was so upset. But then I realized that I really did love them. And I'm sure that's why they didn't think I loved them because I'd be so upset with them, you know. But uh, I think I think it's more just saying you love them, but showing them that you love them by, you know, things that you do and say and, and you know, you contact them all the time and let them know how much you miss them and things like that, you know. And, and you let them talk and express themselves and things like that. So that's great. Well, I just think that that's, that's a hopeful really message. Like, uh, you know, I, I think everybody in the ward agrees that you are very like sweet, loving, nice, kind people. And so even then, like we do the best that we can as parents. And even then, like some of our kids wander a little bit and we do the best we can to try to make repairs and keep loving them. We care. It's a great. Thanks for sharing right. that. Yes. I appreciate that. What would you guys say was the most um, fun or the most difficult stage of parenting? Girls going through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> difficult one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think the most difficult was uh, um, knowing why that I wanted them to be good I remember thinking that I was I think I wanted them to be good because I was worried about what other people would think about me things like that you know 
I really did. I remember um, caring about what other people thought. And then when my kids went through trials and tribulations and I learned that I loved them, I realized it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It matters what, you know, what you think about them. And I think the hardest thing was going through that was realizing that I had made mistakes and, you know, that's hard for me to admit. And I had to admit it to my children. But, you know, I told them that even though I made mistakes, my mistakes were not, you know, I wasn't dysfunctional. I was I was really trying to do what was best yeah. for them. I really thought what I was doing was best for them, yeah. you know, and that really helped, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, so. And the most fun part we had was when we, we played games together, we mm -hmm. get together and we have a lot of traditions that we, we laugh about and we really enjoy being together. Speaking yeah, of traditions, really so. we, we should make sure that we highlight this with you guys, just in case anybody in the war doesn't know. But you should tell us about your uh, Christmas um, decoration traditions. <laughs> that got started. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have. Where that's at now. I Well, we have, I don't know, probably 80 yeah. or so uh, nutcrackers. Big um, ones, little ones. That we've collected over the years. And uh, it's kind of neat. We have one that's uh, about three feet tall. And so we, we always took pictures of the kids as they grew up next uh -huh. to that um, uh -huh. that big nutcracker. And the, now we have the grandchildren. We take pictures of them growing up too, next oh, to it. And wow. then we have a great grandson also. Oh, that's, great. that's kind of exciting. Yeah, and then we've got Christmas village. And Sandy for um, several years made a gingerbread house. <laughs> I mean, really elaborate, I've seen big of that. gingerbread amazing. house. And yeah, but when we have pipe bills. Um, you, the pipes are cut to the right lengths, so when you hit them with a nail, they have a certain note. And so we have several Christmas songs that have the um, pipe bells, the, the numbers that uh -huh. go along with what, what the right note is. And so uh -huh. it's a lot of fun because you always mess up. And oh, that's cool. We have a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, we may... We made pipe bells for each one of the children when they when they left home, and so now they play with their family too. That's so nice. it's really exciting. Yeah, we're not very musical, but we married into music musically talented people. But we're not very musical. Well, so I don't know. That was really exciting. Oh, go ahead. We also go ahead. No, we also uh, have a um, the pageant every every. Yeah. Christmas Eve, and that's really great. We have pictures of the kids when they're really little, really little, and and we still have that pageant every every year. Well, your home that's really great. is not mine to invite people over were, to, but if I can say on a uh -huh. public uh, ward podcast that anybody who has the opportunity should try to check in with Ed and Sandy next year and see if they can pay them a visit and see all their nutcrackers. It's really quite quite a display. Yes, yeah. it is. It's good. We love well, it. Well, yes. um, one thing we kind of touched on this just a little bit, but um, when we were talking about some growing up family things, but we love to ask people about maybe a time in life when there was a big trial or you really felt like you were in the wilderness. Um, and kind of how you overcame that and what it was like going through that experience. 
That's a hard one for me. Um, <laughs> well, there was one. I was in the Air Force. In fact, I was stationed here when Lowry was an Air Force base. And working with uh, an LDS champ, chaplain, I, I put in for a, uh, a discharge. Um, and he felt good we were going to do it. And so I got a offer from Hewlett Packard to go to work for them in California. Well, I got a call that said um, that um, mm. early out was denied. And, he and so I job. had to, so I had to call him up and tell him I, I had, I couldn't take the job. Well, two weeks later, because when you put in for this one special discharge early out, you had to put in for an, another um, different kind of discharge. But um, <laughs> so I get a call and say this this discharge was uh, approved. So I'm sitting there. I got no job. I got nothing. That was really. But the Lord watched out for us because I called up the uh, person who hired me, and he said the guy that they hired decided to stay with his company, wow. and so the job opened right back up. So we were able to go from here to San Jose, California, and, and right away and have a job. And it was a really good job, too, with Hewlett Packard. It was really good. Yeah. yeah. We, we knew... We talked about Ed getting out of this service, and we prayed about. It. We knew it was right. So when he 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 told them he wanted to get out early, and they were giving him an early out, and then uh, so we were real excited about. It. We were ready to move, and we told people we were moving. And then uh, he got a call from from uh, from the the military saying that he was denied that. So here, so that was we felt really bad. We wondered why Heavenly Father told us that we were supposed to do it when it wasn't working out. And then uh, also, then, so he told them he couldn't do it. And then, so Hewlett Packard hired someone else. And then he got another call from the military saying there it was approved. So here, here we were with three kids, you know, no job or anything. And we, we, I remember thinking, why did you tell us it was right when it wasn't right, you know? And, and, and it was, it was just, then Ed called up Hewlett Packard again and they said, oh, we just, we just had just, Got a call from the guy who had wow. accepted the job before and said he wasn't going to accept it. So it was really a great experience for us because, you know, we were thinking, why did you tell us, you know, mm -hmm. this? We were supposed to do this when it wasn't, wasn't working out. Yeah. But I, it was a really great experience well, for that's us. Really so, neat. Yeah. Um, well,
I think it would be really interesting for people in the ward who know you to just kind of hear your experience of going through Parkinson's city, uh, right. disease together as a couple. I mean, that's there's a lot of challenges that come with that. And, you know, Cammie and I are always impressed that you two still seem cheerful and pleasant and happy. And I'm sure there's ups and downs, but we'd love to hear about your experience with that. Thank you. I think this is, that's one of the things I wrote down when I, um, when you asked me about, you know, sharing something about being in the wilderness. I think the thing with my Parkinson's is that I think one of the reasons it was really hard was that my dad had gone through it. And I saw my dad get to the point where he had to be fed and changed and, and um, everything. And it was really hard because he was a very active person, but he was, he was very spiritual the whole time. So I knew what was going to happen. But the hardest thing was for me was that I had to be released from the temple service. And that was really hard because I'd worked in the temple for over 25 years. I'd served, you know, and I worked in the office. I worked uh, as an ordinance worker. I worked, you know, as a volunteer in the cafeteria and, and everything. And so I really loved it. And I was going every day. In fact, I spent more hours in the temple than, you know, than I think anyone else did because I worked full time. And I also was an ordinance worker. Mm. And so that was very difficult for me because I loved the temple. But I knew through the spirit that I was supposed to be released when I found out I had Parkinson's. But that was very hard for me because I went from being in the temple all the time to hardly ever going. You know, I go once a month and things like that. It was very difficult for me. Um, then we uh, knew that we couldn't live in our home in Sahayans Ranch. It was our ideal home. We, when we found it, we were really excited about it because, you know, it was big and we had a walkout basement. We had, you know, with five bedrooms and three bathrooms and uh, four bathrooms. And, you know, we had an apartment in the, built, in the basement, things like that. And we, our kids would come over. We have some of our best memories of our, our kids would come over and people come over for Christmas and things like that. And we have them, everyone had their own bedroom and bathroom and everything. It was really exciting. So it was hard for us to, to move out of that house, but I knew we were supposed to. And I, the spirit had really helped me to, to know that we were supposed to. Um, one of my, my visiting teacher at the time, uh, she came to visit me and she said that, you know, that the same thing had happened to one of her people in her family and they lived with their, their family members and it was really great. And I remember as soon as she said that, the spirit just washed over me. I knew we were supposed to live with Matt and Esther. I didn't know how to tell them. <laughs> so I, I told Ed, I said, you know, I had a real spiritual experience. I really think we're supposed to sell our home and move, you know, and buy a house with Matt and Esther because they, you know, they had a starter home and they were really struggling and, and things like that. And so he's, he felt good about it. And so I told Esther and Esther said she felt really good about it. So she told Matt and he felt really good about it. So they went to the temple and they knew it was the right thing to do. And it's been, I think it was the most spiritual experience we've ever had was when we moved here. We we found another house we liked better and things like that, but we knew we were supposed to move in this area. And they're really spiritual people. They're really, it's helped us a lot. Now, and sorry, Sam, get the yeah. timeline, because that was all before you were diagnosed. Am, am I correct? That, no, that was when I was di diagnosed with Parkinson's. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah she was diagnosed uh what, a year or two before we made the change? Right. Okay, okay. I, I, I guess I didn't know that. It was a three-story house, so there's no way I could be, you know, be in a three-story house. Yeah. So we, we had to buy a ranch-style house and, you know, things like that. And Yeah, okay. 
That was really great. Another thing that's hard for me because, um, you know, I love to read. I really love to read and I can't read very well anymore. And I really love to, you know, do things like family history. And, and I, um, I've taught family history for quite a few years and I taught, you know, in, in the wards and the stake and in, in libraries and family history societies and things like that. And I did presentations. It was really great, but now I can't, you know, anymore. And that makes it really hard for me because I still have it all in my head, but I can't really speak that well or do, you know, that much with, yeah. um, you know, I can't remember phrases and things like that. I used to do. So that's really hard for me, but yet it's helped me to be really humbled because I remember I always thought that I would do everything right, you know, and it's really humbled me to know that I haven't done everything right. <laughs> and it's really helped me to to know that I need to rely on my Heavenly Father more. Mm. You know, so that, that's kind of hard for me, but it's really great. It's been a very spiritual experience for me. And, you know, I I know what it's going to be like in a few years, but the thing is that I just, I have a hard time because I, you know, I like to... I liked my life before, yeah. you know, it was really hard, but yet I, anyway, people have been very good to me and I've learned to love people a lot more than I had before. So, yeah. anyway. Well, thank you. I appreciate that you shared that. I mean, that's a, that's a lot. It's a lot of transitions all at once, yeah. right? And it yes. sounds like giving up, I, and you shared this experience with me previously that, um, giving up being able to be in the temple serving right. was just one of the biggest challenges yeah. for you and heart heartbreaking really. Um, right. And that is a powerful example to me just of the love that you had for serving in the temple and maybe hearing you talk about that can help the rest of us really appreciate that blessing. So what has temple service meant for you in your life what has what i'm sorry sorry what has temple service meant for you in your life oh it's been really great um i think i know i feel closer to our heavenly father when i'm there and i know that um i my my spirit has widened it i i think that i've understood things more spiritually than i ever had before and uh I think that it's helping me to, I don't know, it's just been its just been the thing that's really made me in my life. I really love it. It's hard to explain unless you go to the temple a lot, unless you, you're there. I mean, everyone's had some kind of spiritual experiences, but it's been really great for me to be in the temple so much, and it's, it's hard for me not to go. In fact, I have to fill up my time now, so I have to do genealogy, which I love. You know, I love family history and genealogy. And... But, you know, it's hard for me to keep myself busy doing positive things and, um, you know, when I can't physically do some things. But I love the temple a lot. It's Yeah, we, we served together in the baptistry for years. probably 12 years or more. Yeah. Uh, I, I still am a coordinator in the, in the baptistry, but I miss having her there with me to coordinate. <laughs> Yeah, I I remember loving to see Ed in the temple. It really made me fall in love with him more when I'd see him in the temple. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, so I would love to hear from you guys what's something that you love about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, one thing is all the different opportunities we've had to serve. Oh, yes. I mean, all the different callings. I've had, other than music, which I'm no good at at all, um, I've probably had just about every calling a man can have. Um, yeah, Bishop. And the, the one thing I do miss, though, is I um, I spent a lot of years as a youth leader and as, and as a bishop going on scouting activities. Um, I went on five years in a row in, in California. I went on 50 milers with the youth. That's very cool. Uh, the thing I love most about the church is that it helps me understand that we are all children of our Heavenly Father. And we can become like them. I think that's the most important thing that I've learned. And I also love the fact that we have living prophets, seers, and revelators. I, you know, I think that's the most important thing about the church is that we realize who we are, and then we can, when we realize who we are, we can help other people find out who they are, you know, through missionary work and just through being good examples too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I love that about the church. It gives everyone the opportunity to build a spirit and to to grow and to progress. So, I, one one thing that I think is important for families is take advantage of your children. They they do a lot to share the gospel. We we've been blessed over the years with our kids to help um, teach individuals and families and have them come into the church. Yes, um, you know your your kids can be some of the best missionaries that there are um, to help others see the blessings of the gospel. Yeah, that's great advice. Thanks for. It is good advice. And I think sometimes it helps. I don't know. I've noticed having kids, it, it does help connect you to other people, right? Because it gets you interacting with neighbors and, you know, fellow sports parents or other yeah. parents at school and things like that. Yeah. When I think of people that are our age that are even younger that don't have anything to do, I mean, when they're retired or or when their children leave the home, it's really hard. But we have such a, a network here in the gospel. We have we're always busy. We always have callings. We always have things we can do. We, all, we always have people who care about us, and it, you know it's really great. So I think that's another thing I really love about the gospel is that that we're all a part of a family. And you know I see so many people that you know are lonely and. You know, they don't know what to do with their lives, and we just, we don't have that opportunity. We are so busy. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of, lots of ways to stay busy. Tell me, um, another question we have for you guys is just, is there a time in your life that you can think of when you really felt like you were fulfilling your calling in life or your mission in life? Anything specific that comes to mind? I know that um, Sandy and I were ministering companions and i've just admired your goodness like you think about others you think about um the people that you minister to and um just they occupy a place in your thoughts i guess and you're looking for ways to serve them but 
maybe that wasn't the example that you had in your mind. What are some, sometimes when you guys maybe felt like you were uh, fulfilling your mission in life? Well, I, again, I guess I go back to scouting. I, I probably have 30 plus years of doing scouting. Um, one, maybe one thing if I, I incident about 10 years ago when I was 65, uh, our ward boys went on a 50 miler and I thought, well, you know, I know what to do. <laughs> so I went on half of it. Um, and that last day to come instead of going out the easy way to Waterton Canyon, um, it was close, so we had to go into Roxborough Park. And going up the hill, it's a little over a mile, and it's almost straight up. I mean, there was no switchbacks. And I got almost to the top, or at least I found out by then, and I was physically exhausted, uh, and emotionally probably. And I sat down. I wasn't sure how I was going to finish it. And Ron Mackey, the other leader, yelled down to me and said, you're almost to the top. And that's all I needed. Mm -hmm. I made it to the top. There were still three miles to go to get to the parking lot. But I think of that situation because our Savior is there for us. You know, we may get to the point where we might just sit down and say, I can't go any further. This challenge is too much. But if we rely on the Savior and go with the uh, help that he can be, and it might you know, be somebody in the Word or somebody else that's the one that does that, but because of the blessings of the gospel, we can always say, yeah, there's more trial to go, but because of the Savior and the love of the church and the, and the people we have, we can make it through. Exactly. Thank you. That's why I love him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good man. So, yeah. Well, you guys are a good pair. Thank you. How about you, Sandy? Anything that comes to mind? Well, I I feel like when I read my patriarchal blessing, I feel like I've accomplished those things that my patriarchal blessing tells me to. I remember the first the first paragraph of my patriarchal blessing said I'd be an an instrument in spreading the truth abroad. I thought that that meant that I'd marry a mission president or something, you know, and I'd go on a mission abroad. But I remember when I was um, almost when I was twenty, almost twenty one, and I remember thinking that I was going to get married. And I remember my father came in and said, well, why don't you go on a mission? And I prayed about it. And uh, I remember going into the into a room in our house, and I remember even before my, my knees hit the ground, I knew that I was supposed to go on a mission. I knew what that paragraph meant in my patriarchal blessing. So I've been able to read through my patriarchal blessing quite a few times and realize that I have accomplished those things that he said, you know, I would accomplish. Um, not everything, but I'm, I'm working on it. And also family history. I think I love family history more than anything else because 
I've been doing it for so long, but I remember thinking that, um, you know, I feel closer to our the spirits on the other side of the veil. I really feel close to our family, feel close to people I don't even know because I know that the the spirits on the other side of the veil are so close to us. They really want to help us. And I think that's one of the things that I felt really strongly about that I've been able to do is I've been able to feel the spirits on the other side of the veil much stronger than I ever have before. And I just, you know, sometimes I even talk to them. I mean, you know, I feel really strongly that we have um, people on the other side of the veil who really love us. And and I think a lot about what I'm going to be like when I'm on the other side of the veil, too. So that's one thing that I think is really, that I've accomplished. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. So final question. We kind of talked about this a little bit before, but uh, as uh, you know, you're already familiar, but the name of the podcast is the Crystal Valley Casserole because we just feel like that's what a ward looks like is a lot of different people with different backgrounds, different capabilities and personalities, and they come together and make something that usually tastes pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it's like a and so what would you say uh, is something that you bring to the the dish or bring to the ward what's something that you guys like to try to contribute or personality things that you feel like you have to offer when you come to a ward oh experience i think (laughs) we've been through about everything we've been through highs and lows and and uh you know i think since we've seen how you know how people have come out of out of these highs and lows that it's really, I think we can help other people to, to see that they can do that too. They can do that also. So, yeah, I think we're pretty fun too. (laughs) (laughs) Not so much anymore, but we used to be really fun. Yeah. 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 Have you ever played chicken foot dominoes? (laughs) (laughs) But we played that in my family growing up. Oh, really? That's great. Yes, we love that. Yeah, We still play games with our families when they get together. We put puzzles together and things like that, too. So, yeah. Well, I I love that you share your experience. And I think you guys are fun. And I'm grateful that we have you in the ward. Thank you. Thank you. And and we love, we love children. Oh, we love kids. We love them we a lot. We like, in fact, I I like to have invite people to come over with their children, especially at Christmas time. You know, I love them to see the house and things like that. You know, we really love kids, so yeah. Well, that is very sweet. Well, thanks a lot for spending some time with us this evening. We're really grateful that you were both willing to do this with us, and hopefully, everybody gets to has gotten to know you a little bit better and. Uh, we just appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Love you too, very much too. Thank you. Yeah, I've loved the other podcasts. I've really enjoyed them. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate and love you guys. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Thank you. Bye. Have a good night. <laughs>